Welcome everyone to the Healing Art of Being You podcast. Today we have a very special friend, listener, client, and just a wonderful human here with us to share some of her stories of her life as she has grown in her own journey of self-discovery, self-love, and move through different phases of her life being a mother being a woman, and being a human. So welcome, Amber. We are so excited to have you. I am so excited to be here. I can't even tell you. (laughs) Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. Why don't we get started with telling us just a little bit about you and your family and kind of where you were when you first found this podcast and found this connection in the first phase of that evolution. Yeah. So I'm a mother. We covered this, a wife, a sister, a daughter, all the basic titles. I feel like that I just, I undervalued. I didn't know what it meant to fill those roles necessarily. And so truly when I found your podcast, it gave me this like realization that I've had this like longing in me for so long that I didn't know how to fill. I had the kids. I had the the beautiful, you know, husband, the parents, the siblings. I had all that. But I just wasn't putting into them what I wanted reflected back to me. And I was so blind to that. I was so blind to that. And I was stuck in such a victim mentality. I could like cry talking about it. Because I felt like nobody wanted me to be who I was. And I never gave myself the permission to be who I was. And when I decided to step into that, I got to call it a spiritual awakening. (laughs) There's so many titles that it could be. But for me in my heart, I opened up this access to myself that gave me this deep knowing of what it is that I'm searching for. And I found that. And now it's like my life's mission to share it so that other people can find that too. (laughs) So that's what I do. (laughs) Can you talk to us a little bit about before you had this awakening, what might be some specifics that help you kind of clue into the fact that maybe you weren't being who you felt you were meant to be? I've got to take you to my ugly. (laughs) Because I had this side of me that tried to control everything. And it wasn't even just about me. It was about trying to control other people to get them to see me in the way that I wanted to be seen. But I just didn't know how I wanted to be seen yet. And so it would be just the moments of total what I call burnout exhaustion and having to live a life in that realm of existence. (laughs) And I felt like I just wasn't producing anything usable, anything worthy. And it would take the arguments and the just not seeing the beauty in the world and in my surroundings. Um, And it really just put me in this box, like in this really calcified encasing. And the crazy thing is nobody would ever know that. (laughs) Like if they were looking at my life from the outside, nobody would have 
ever known that. And that's what I think is so incredible about my journey personally is that I freaking kept that shit in. (laughs) And I didn't know how to release that. And I think I just, it was that permission to give that to myself. That was what rocked it all. And I let myself dabble in the things that intrigued me. And I didn't label things as inherently good or inherently bad because everything just is. It's all energy that swirls around itself. And we get to transmute that into whatever we want it to be. And that took me almost 30 years to learn. (laughs) And I want to speed that up for people if I can, because you don't have to live in that calcification. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. So one of the first things that I remember the first session that we did together, we talked a lot about your experience and the differences between how you were able to be present and therefore yourself when it came to your delivery and the process of, you know, breastfeeding and raising your children. Um, can we talk a little bit about that? Can you tell us the story of Elias and Ezra and kind of the different phases that you went through there? Yes, it can. Bear with me because it might be a long one, <laughs> but I'm here for it. So I'm going to dial it all the way back as close to the beginning as I can because I feel like it all needs – it's juicy. It's juicy. <laughs> so my first baby – He's now over two. He turned two in June, which blows my mind. Um, I think at the beginning of the journey into motherhood for me was realizing truly that I have this, oh man, this is so far to the beginning. So I have this inner child in me that started speaking to me and she told me, you know, something's not right here. And I just broke this down to a friend of mine, and this is the best that I can explain it. I feel like I was pregnant in the 4D before I decided to be pregnant in the 3D. <laughs> and that drive of the pregnancy in the 4D, that, br- out, that desire to be more than myself, drove me to this desire to have my children. So they were truly the beginning of my awakening. So when my husband and I decided, because truly I didn't think I wanted kids. We went crazy. We bought seven dogs and three cats and fish tanks. Like I was really trying to suppress this, guys. (laughs) Like I was like, I am not having kids. (laughs) But somewhere in there I knew. And I woke myself up and pulled myself out of that rut to, you know, get to the place that I am. But it took... The knowing that I wanted a child, basically, and everybody's different in this, but this was me. And um, we just decided one day, I remember we were on a cruise (laughs) in Mexico (laughs) with my in-laws. And I looked at my husband and I was like, do you want to have a baby? And he was like, (laughs) I guess so. And I was like, all right, cool. (laughs) When we get home, let's start this. Like, that's what it was. (laughs) And so so we began the journey. And it took us about a, it was a little under a year 
to get pregnant. And it was a journey. And I had to stick alongside that journey. And that was the first time I think I really committed to something. Like, I got to say, incl- <laughs> you got to know my whole story to know what I mean when I say this, but you guys will get it, including my marriage. <laughs> and I've told my husband this. Deciding to have a child was the first thing I actually feel like I committed to doing. <laughs> and so I remember when I got, you know, that positive pregnancy test because I had tons of negatives. And I remember that feeling of getting that pros- positive pregnancy test. And it was like, oh, my God, all these things went through my head. Like, how am I going to tell my husband about this? Like, I don't want to just tell him. But, you know, my self-control was like totally not <laughs> tapped in yet. And it was like 3.30 in the morning in October. <laughs> and I ran to the bedroom and I was like, it's positive. Oh, my gosh. And so I woke up and he literally was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) He had no idea what I was even talking about. And so then I got to fill him in, whatever. And so I got what I wanted. Yay. You know, I did not take into consideration pregnancy hormones. (laughs) I did not take into consideration what would happen to my body in the process. I did not take into consideration the changes that would occur with all of that. I didn't take into consideration the financial aspect, the clothing changes, the home upgrades, the vehicle, none of it. I just wanted to have a kid. Didn't know why. You know, I knew it was going to do something to me that I wanted it to do. So I went for it. But I had, I didn't know anything aside from the fact that I wanted to have a kid. (laughs) And so I wasn't very, that calcification kind of came back while I was pregnant. And I began to lose sight of the visions and the reasons for what I was asking the universe in this. I didn't know what I wanted again. It was like, I got what I wanted. And I don't know that I really feel that sense of fulfillment and like all these stories and all these things and all this cloudy stuff started, you know, hazing my view again. And so fast forward through probably a whole pregnancy, not that I didn't enjoy it. It's just, I did the motions, you know, and I was present in the moments that I was, but it wasn't the entire pregnancy. I mean, you can't, it's hard to be present fully anyways, truly like that's a lot of pressure to give yourself in the first place, which is probably what I've tended to do kind of all along. But it's just, I got, we were getting nearer to the end and nearer to the end, you know, and the nursery's coming together and the vision's back, you know, and I'm like, I'm ready for this baby to be born. I'm excited for this baby to be born. And then we're getting close to the due date. And we get the maternity pictures and we get all the things. Well, three weeks early, guess whose water breaks? (laughs) I'm laying on the bed on my pregnancy pillow. We're watching a movie, The Rocker, to be exact, (laughs) which how fitting to think about it. Um, Because that's man, that's what Elias is. He's he's my little world rocker like that kid. But they say that babies don't want to come out of the womb in a lot of cases. And in my instance, my firstborn was like, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready for Let this. Let me out. Yeah. And, you know, we get to the hospital and that whole process is a blur because I haven't, I don't know that I've honestly fully unpacked my birth stories. I know that they're traumatic as fuck. Sorry to say that, but they are. I carry a lot of that with me still. And I can tell because I get emotional when I think about it. 
But it brought me this beautiful human being and he was supposed to be this, you know, from the medical standpoint, underdeveloped. They were fearful of his lungs and what his abilities were going to be when he was born. And I just that wasn't a fear for me. I just it wasn't. I just knew I was having a baby and we were going to go home with him. And so, well, he comes out huge, eight pounds, two ounces couldn't even get him out vaginally. They had to put me into an emergency C-section for him to come out, but he was coming. And so like we saw his head coming out and everything before we had to go into the operating room, but he made his presence known and he was a strong crier and he had no lung issues. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Holding that baby was just, ugh, does things to me. But, um, then began the breastfeeding journey. <laughs> Let me take a drink. <laughs> I knew that that was important to me. Again, I don't know why, because a fed child is a happy child. And I also want to preface this by saying, regardless of how you can feed your child and how you choose to feed your child, a fed child is a healthy child. And that is so important to remember. But I didn't have that bit of knowledge when I was going into my breastfeeding journey because they, there's a lot of pressure on that. And I felt that pressure to breastfeed. And I had been damned if I wasn't successful in it. And boy, my mentality and that stubbornness has served me so well over my lifetime. <laughs> oh, but he wouldn't latch. I could not get him to latch. And I had the lactation consultants in the room. They came in every, you know, hour or whatever, all throughout the night trying to help me get this baby to latch. And we did the nipple shields and we did the syringes and we did the syringes hooked up to the nipple shield to try to make the baby think that he was latching onto the nipple. And we did oh, so many things, so many things. And I was like, well, I'm going to make this work. How do I make this work? And my brain was just like, okay, if we're going to produce, we've got a pump. And I had to learn how to pump. I had to learn how to set the pump up and how to place it on my breast correctly and what all the settings were and how what was comfortable for me. And, you know, there's all these guidelines that some people think that's just the standard. And... <sighs> I could have fallen into that so easily. And that's why I'm so thankful that my stubborn energies in me were like, no, we're going to figure this out. Because even though I was guided in that path, I felt very alone in it. And I had to just figure things out. My time was cut a little bit shorter than I thought it was going to be. And I had all this stuff just put on me kind of out of, I just didn't feel prepared, I suppose. I just knew what I wanted and knew that I wanted to get it done. And so I just gathered myself in the best way that I could. And that was just, I'm going to pump. I'm going to pump through it. I'm going to get the apps. I'm going to set the timers. I'm going to do all the things to make sure that my body does what it needs to do. And those were the standards that society had set to breastfeeding. And I thought that those were facts. And instead of listening to my body and my pumping journey and recognizing like, oh, my breasts are feeling a little full. Maybe I should pump. It was like, okay, it's been two hours. It's time to pump. <laughs> and I became the largest overproducer that I personally have ever met. 
And I didn't know I was overproducing. I didn't know that I was asking my body to do more than it was supposed to be able to do. And so I just stuck with that pattern for as long as I could do it until I basically had just like a breaking point. And I was like, I think honestly, I probably met my final goal of how much milk I wanted in my freezer because a lot of this is a blur too. But I would pump like 80 ounces of milk a day. And a baby only drinks like <laughs> 24 to 30 something. Oh, and when I tell you, <laughs> I didn't have anybody that told me that wasn't normal. Everybody That's like industrial at level it. milking right now. <laughs> Girl, I'm telling you. People looked at that and all the times that I got told, oh, I wish I could do that. Do you know how big of a blessing that is? Your baby's so well fed. And I'm looking at this like tits out to here. Like, <laughs> how is this a blessing? <laughs> like, I don't understand. <laughs> and so my milk became this burden for me that everybody felt was this miracle. And looking back at that, I'm like, oh, poor little breastfeeding Amber. <laughs> Like that was a miracle, but like sweet child, you did not have to do that to yourself. <laughs> and when my second was born, I went into it knowing all of these things. My pregnancy was different and I'll I'll put these two pieces together at the end here. But when I became pregnant, it was like we decided to have our second child. I'm telling you, like, first go positive pregnancy test. It was like, okay, we thought we had time to prepare this go around because we thought it would take a minute. Like, nope, nope. I wanted a baby. I got a baby. Okay, cool. Got it. <laughs> I didn't have, like, with my first, I had the morning sickness. I had all the things. It was just, ooh, it was a, it was a yucky pregnancy. Beautiful. Glad it happened. Yucky pregnancy. Second, it was a breeze. Like, I don't even... I mean, I was also raising a toddler at the time, so I had some distractions, <laughs> but, but I don't remember that pregnancy went so fast because it was so easy. And then guess what? Four weeks early. Guess who arrives? <laughs> My second. Guess the what the weather conditions were. Do you guys happen to remember in December when it was like a level three snow emergency and like all the roads were closed down and like even emergency vehicles, like we're not moving. <laughs> My second was like, all right, mama, <laughs> like I gave it to you easy every other way, but I'm coming. And so I was like, okay. So <laughs> I had to line up transportation. I had to figure out how to get there because also my husband and I had the flu when I went into labor. It was Christmas Eve. And I genuinely believe I went into labor from like dehydration because I was like counting. I had vomited like eight times and was like having contractions. It was a mess. So I ended up going into the hospital. My dad, bless his heart, drove me there because my husband couldn't. And so my dad came and picked me up, drove me all the way to Marysville, which on a good day is about, oh, from here. Oh, a 45 minute drive, probably. So given, you know... <laughs> The level three snow emergency and all that. My dad's driving me, who's like 15 minutes out of the way from the hospital to my house, coming me up, going there. It took us like two hours to get to the hospital. So we get to the hospital, having contractions, like two minutes apart, I mind you. And the nurse, the triage nurse, Jamie, 
I love her. Um, she got me in, in the triage room and we're talking and I'm like, I'm having a baby. And she's like, no, you're not. You're four weeks early, level three snow emergencies. You're not having a baby. I was like, okay, Jamie, but I'm having a baby. And she's like, no, baby, you're, <laughs> you're not having a baby. I'm like, I'm telling you, she's like, we don't have a NICU here. And there's a level three snow, three snow emergency and you're not having a baby. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> so she cool, ends cool, up cool. giving me my options on how to stop these contractions. She gives me some shot of something. I don't even remember when it was. And she got me to calm down and she was like, all right, we're going to send you back home. I was like, okay, I might be back, but I'm going to, I'm going to trust you on that. So my father, <laughs> while I also am still sick and she gave me something else for my for my vomiting also my father drives me all the way back to my house back to this is like two in the morning it was like the whole night like there was no sleeping so my dad gets me home i go back to bed i wake up two hours later contractions i was like yeah i thought so so i call my dad again because my husband's still vomiting and shitting himself like this was this was my labor story <laughs> so, so my dad i was like hey dad i gotta go back to the hospital he's on his way so he comes over <laughs> Gets me up, same routine, you know, we're going to the hospital. And I'm telling my dad, my dad's like, so are we, are we really having a baby? I'm like, yes, dad. I tried to tell Jamie the first time, but she wanted to give me this shot to stop things. But yes, I'm having this baby. And so we go back there and she was like, we don't have a NICU. Why are you here? And I was like, well, I'm here. I don't know. It's where I'm supposed to be. It's where I delivered my first. I don't know. Like you're the closest. I trust you guys. And she's like, okay, we need to get you somewhere with a NICU. If you're having a baby, you're four weeks early. You need a NICU. I knew I didn't need a NICU. But they were trying to line up emergency transportation and all this. And I was like, nothing. They were down to trying to give me a freaking helicopter, you guys. They were trying to put me in a helicopter to get me to OSU. That's how much they thought I was going to nick you. And I was like, I don't need a nick you. So literally, it took one of the doctors, the doctor in there to be like, you got a couple options. I can't give you these options. They're not true options, but you could leave against medical advice and go to the hospital. And I was like, that's not an option, but that is an option, I guess. So <laughs> I guess we're going to go to OSU. <laughs> Because the, they couldn't get me there. There was no way to get me there. They could not get me there. Yeah. And so. don't fly in stage three. Nothing so happens in stage. They even tried. They tried to call like the fire department. I'm telling you guys what any way they could to hook me up. They tried and it was not happening. So my dad's like, oh, I guess I'm driving you to OSU. <laughs> I'm like, I guess so. I waddled my way out of there with contractions two minutes apart. Just praying to God I was going to make it to OSU. Because they we're so sure I was going to have a child with underdevelopment issues. Anyways, I make it to OSU. Long story, not really short, but a little summed up here. <laughs> we get to OSU and, and um, they end up, what even, what even happened at OSU, to be honest with you? They want to know my birth plan. That's what they want. They want to know my birth plan. And I'm like, well, I'm supposed to, I would like to have a C-section, but I also have been approved for, you know, a vaginal birth after C-section. But there's been a lot of stress tonight. So I think I'd like a C-section. And they're like, why? I just got met with a lot of like yuck from that that I didn't like. And I started getting just really stern. And I was like, I want a C-section. And again, to long story short that I have to summarize here, I ended up having a vaginal birth <laughs> and I'm grateful for that, but I wasn't then. And this also plays into a lot of things here. And there was a lot of growth for me in my actual births here, but everything went the way that I needed it to go. 
in both scenarios. And I got to say that that was the one thing in my birth experience with my youngest that my birth didn't go how I wanted it to go, but everything around it did. And after he was born four weeks early, beautifully healthy child, seven pounds, 11 ounces, I believe. Huge, no issues, didn't even need the NICU. <laughs> he knew that. That's why he was ready to come out. And um, same thing. He wouldn't latch. I couldn't get him to latch. And I had to do blood transfusions and iron infusions and all this stuff after he was born because I did hemorrhage quite a bit. And there was, again, a lot of trauma in that experience for me. But really, he just he wouldn't latch. And I was like, that's cool. I got this. Like, I brought my old trusty pump, you know. Actually, I didn't have her. I had to use the hospital pump. I did have to learn that. But once I got home, I knew my my pump that I had used, you know. And I was like, I'm going to just listen to myself this time. And if I feel like my I need to pump, I'm going to pump. But I'm not going to put that pressure behind. Like, it's got to be breast milk 100% of the time. He's going to get what he gets. And he's going to be thankful for it. <laughs> and so am I. And that's what happened. I didn't put any timers to it at all. He was born in December. I pumped until April. And I got him on breast milk until he was nine months old. And I didn't push myself for that. And I did just transition him to formula and it was easy. Like I'm grateful for it. And then here's the crazier thing. And this is where I want to piece the puzzles together here is that my youngest or my oldest, I'm sorry, he had a lot of health issues while he was breastfeeding. And this is where you can just really crack that, you know, myth that people say that breast is best because fed is best <laughs> because I was feeding him this breast milk that was produced from this body of being over needed, overused, overworked and very undervalued. And that's what was going into him. And sure, he was fed, but he wasn't fed anything of value for his actual spiritual growth and well-being and we did end up having so many weird medical mysteries with him up until he was about six months old actually which is crazy because I started trying to really wean down on my breast milk supply when he was six months old so some pieces are clicking in a place for me even saying this and we ended up in children's when he was six months old because he had two viruses back to back and they were, it's crazy because they were just supposed to be common colds. It was pneumovirus and rhinovirus, I think is what they were. I might've said the first one wrong, but it was something along those lines, just common colds. And they got my firstborn so hospitalized. He was on oxygen and everything. And so I remember being in the hospital and I had to be there by myself because my, hus my husband had to help take care of the dogs because we were living in an environment that we didn't have family close to us at that time. So I wasn't alone in this journey, but I, again, I felt very alone in that journey. And so I was in the hospital with my son and I remember like just crying because a lactation consultant came in and she was like, what's up? Do you? She's like, they said you were asking for me. And I'm like, well, I'm in this process of trying to stop pumping and I was getting down to like a reasonable supply of of like you know a norm 24 to 30 ounces a day was my reasonable reasonable what I had just gotten down to and I had that lactation consultant come in and I was like I just I'm really upset because I was really trying to you know wean off of my breastfeeding journey because I have enough supply at home and like I just don't know what I'm gonna do I'm in this like weird limbo and she was like, well, you know, I ended up breaking down my whole breastfeeding journey to her and how I had been pumping such a massive amount. 
And she was like, honey, my heart breaks for you. She's like, how has nobody told you that that's not like normal? She's like, you're one of the ones that like severely slipped through the cracks. Like, how did you? I was like, I've been, I had lactation appointments like for the first three months and nobody told me, like nobody told me. And so I was crying to her because I was like, I'm feeling like I have to revamp my supply because those that have been there know, but those that don't, don't know that when you have, when you pump, you can't just bring your milk into the hospital. They have to store it for you. And like, you don't have freezer access. Like you have to pump what you can and then they can bring it to you as you need it. Cause you have to, you know, there's, there's protocol that you have to follow. And it was either I pump that milk that I want to feed my son or I give him formula in the hospital. And I was like, I'm going to pump. Um, so anyways, that was really my breastfeeding breakthrough at that point was realizing like, take the pressure off, do what you're able to do that you have help and support for a reason. You're never in this alone. You can do what you can do and that's all you can do. And that's when others come into play. And that is freaking like nutrient dense right there. Like that's where the golden honey of life is, is like recognizing that you're not in it alone. Like these are all just, you got on sunglasses that you just need to take them off and see that you've got hands and availability all around you. It's all around you. You just, you just have to ask for it and you just have to speak on what you're going through in order to get the comfort and the space of solace that you need and that you are so freaking deserving of. So that's my long story. <laughs> I love Thank your you so story. much for sharing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. You're welcome. Allison, you're more in this world. So go ahead with your response to this, because I know you have gold <laughs> there. I have a lot of responses to this, but nothing that is particularly uh, necessary for the purpose of this podcast. But Amber, okay. I am, I'm very Sorry that that was your experience. And I'm oh. glad that you finally were able to meet with somebody who said, hey, like, yes. it doesn't need to be like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm grateful for that person for you. Me too. Um, okay. I'm sorry. I do have one thing to say. Okay. People. Hmm, sorry. One thing. <laughs> sorry. One thing. Um, there are so many people um, with the same profession. Mm-hmm. And there are, you'll see this in any profession in the world. And it's not necessarily that there are good and bad, but there are good for certain people and there are bad for certain people. So if you are feeling unsupported by whoever it is that you are looking for help from, it doesn't mean that that entire profession cannot help you. Please keep looking. There's a lot of, there's a lot, a lot of people who are, we're going to use lactation since that was your personal story, but there's Mm -hmm. people in the hospital. There's people that are on their own. There's people that are like lactation consultants plus fill in the blank lactation consultants, plus midwives, plus doulas, plus pediatric speech therapists, plus, plus, plus there are plus pediatric PTs, like uh, plus pediatric dentistry. Like there are Mm -hmm. lactation consultants out there who um, can help you with your specific needs. So in any profession, if you feel like you're not being supported in the way that you're looking for support, it's okay. It doesn't mean the profession is not going to work for you. It just means that that person's not the right fit for you. So please, please, please keep looking. Um, if you're in the Columbus area and you are feeling like you're running out of resources, reach out to us. We are happy to dig into our network and see who has the right resource for you. So, okay. That was my one little side note. <laughs> I'm glad you said that though, because that gives out resources in a way that is so accessible. Like even just saying that, like if I had had somebody say like, tell me what you need and I'll find them. Oh my God. Like, wow. 
So that is beautiful that you said that. Thank you for saying that genuinely. Absolutely. If anybody watches, <laughs> um, if anybody ever watched How I Met Your Mother, like <laughs> there was always the the character of Barney. He always has like a guy for that. You know, he's got the suit guy. He's got the, the this guy, the that guy. You yeah. know? And he was like, you know what? I'm going to call my guy guy. That's right. I have a guy who gets me guys. I've got a guy guy. And I'm like, I feel like I'm the guy guy. Like I totally. might not have the guy, but I have a guy who's probably got the guy. Totally. So like, I love that. just ask. <laughs> Um, okay. So we kind of started off with like this, this portion of your life where you're like, I have checked all the boxes of the things that equal happiness. And I am not feeling this internal happiness, which for those who have experienced that before, um, what I have noticed with my own personal story and with the people's stories I've heard before is there's also this level of like guilt and shame for not feeling the happiness. Like, I have I have everything that anybody could ever want. And that is so um, ridiculous for me to not feel happy. How selfish am I that I don't feel happy? There's so many people that have it so much worse. I should be grateful for what I have. And it's all of it's true. You are grateful for what you have. And you know that there is still more available and that it can be better than what you have. But there's this guilt and shame associated with it. So it's just very hard place to be in when... You checked the boxes, but you don't feel the feels. Yep. So you talked about how you kind of showed up before, kind of um, just playing the role, doing the things people expected you to do, but not really connecting with the role, not really, not really mm-hmm. feeling it in yourself, not necessarily feeling the love behind it and doing maybe potentially I'm understanding maybe more out of obligation. Like, well, this is what a mom does. This is what a wife yeah. does. This is what a husband or a, a daughter does or a sister or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, how do you show up now? Cause it sounds like, like motherhood and your breastfeeding journey really kind of opened up this opportunity for you to connect with your, whatever was your flavor of this for you, it kind of sounded like it was your inner child, your inner wisdom for other people. It might be connection with God for other people. It might be kind of a connection to a universal energy, whatever it is, but this kind of like, I feel connection to a stronger piece that is going to, to bring me like more in this world. And you sounds like that your motherhood and breastfeeding journey was kind of that jumping point for you to find that connection. How would you say you show up now? What looks different on a day-to-day from a logistical or a functional standpoint now? I love that you asked me this because it's like making me sit in my thinking chair. Um, I'm, this is something that I don't genuinely know that I'll ever master, but I also like love that for me because I think it's just, finding just how in tune with my own journey I can become that excites the crap out of me. And it's like, how much joy can I find in this moment that I'm in? And like, where is it accessible to me? And like, how can I just completely, I got to start with a word that's coming to me right now. It's just deconstruction. And it's like, I'll be in a moment of like muck. And then it's like, Okay, but why? I begin to ask myself these questions and like find these areas or these pathways that I could go in to find joy instead of feeling this stagnancy that I'm stuck inside of. And it's like, okay, yes, I have to pick up the toys. I don't want to pick up the toys, but 
okay, this is a teaching opportunity for my child. And like, I could be really silly about it. And then maybe he'll begin to be silly about it and clean up the toys too. And then maybe he'll think it's fun to clean up the toys. And like, it's kind of let myself get like a little delusional sometimes that like a toddler's going to enjoy cleaning, but it's like, he might though. And it's like, okay, how many dinosaurs can you get? Let's throw them all in your toy box and then we'll count them as we throw them in there. And it's just like finding the ways to find like how you can charge your energetic battery instead of allowing it to fully deplete you. Because yeah, you can get the toys picked up. You can pick the toys up and you can you can just you can just do it and know that they're going to get taken back out of the toy box and it's literally for nothing. Or you can do it And like really enjoy it and like have so much fun while doing it because you're creating core memories and you're teaching your child something and you get a clean house, you know? So it's all about the mindset, I guess, and like letting go of what you are trying to achieve while also maintaining what you're trying to achieve also. And so there's just like knowing there's a duality in all existence in every corner of it and like just choosing to dine with the duality that you feel the most home within i really like that that. example i do (laughs) i really do and i think that's very practical because there are people that like you walk into the house and you're like f this noise i'm out i don't want to deal with that anymore i don't want to look at it i can't deal with it we're buying dinner tonight because i can't possibly cook in this kitchen like Mm -hmm. it's just i mean i get it i think it's a very practical solution Mm -hmm. um and i and i love that it's kind of like you seem to have really integrated into your thought process into your being this whole like life is happening for me not to me type of situation so talk to me a little bit about like because yeah there's like the day-to-day yucks and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but how about recently when you have been like in the crap like in the deep yuck yuck Mm -hmm. grossness what do you do to bring yourself back into your own wisdom back into your own intuition to reconnect to those moments of like, how can I make this fun? How, what, what does your process look like? Okay. So I'm going to just tell you mine personally, I am crazy into the spiritual meditation, woo woo Oracle cards, like connecting to the divine, like getting in my safe space, knowing what it is that I need, how I can get my needs met. And like, no matter what that looks like, I'm going to ask for it. Cause I'm going to receive it. <laughs> Like, it doesn't matter what I'm asking for. If I ask for it, I'm going to receive it. And it's going to be amazing. It's divinely mine. It is my right. And when I lose that mindset, my husband's like, go upstairs, sit in your Zen space, do an Oracle card reading journal, get this out of you because that's not you. And like, he he'll, and I'm like, I don't want to. And then I'm like, oh, okay, no, I'm, oh, you're right. Okay. <laughs> and I can see it. And so I do think too. Oh, it's so important to listen to the people in your lives, because if the world is silent, there's a reason that you're not hearing it. And you really need to connect back in. I really, in those moments, need to connect back in with spirit or source or the collective or consciousness or awareness or whatever you want to call it. I just have to really root myself in that to get that just energy surge that I need back. And like, genuinely i can say wholeheartedly and confidently like it's these things like these spaces of like making connections with people and like hearing what they have to say and like knowing that they're interested in you and that that resonates for people and that you're not alone in your 
anything, like in any corner of anything. And like, it's fun for me because I used to have this crazy amount of shame and all that attached to my spirituality because I never allowed it to wake up. And now I'm like, girl, you don't know where your car keys are. Let's pull a card for that. Like (laughs) I can help you. I can help you remember. And I think it's just that, that space of remembering my sister told me in one of her connected moments, uh, a saying that came to her was remember what you once knew. And that has always stayed with me. And when I feel like I can't remember, I'm like, what is it that I'm supposed to remember? I better go upstairs in my Zen space and think about what I'm supposed to remember. And then it's like, oh, yeah, life is beautiful. What? Okay, I just haven't been seeing it. It's been passing me by. We get sunrises and sunsets every day. And like I have this divine connection and this deep inner knowing and this wisdom and like, I can help people stay on that track. And if I'm on that track, I can help them be on that track. And if I'm not on that track, I'm not doing service to anybody. I'm just in that mucky mucking around state. And my husband's yelling at me to get better. (laughs) (laughs) I love this for you so much because that just that story in itself really shows the growth that you've moved through because that was not always the case, right? Like the dynamic between you and JT, like, like, let's be clear audience for our listeners. Mm -hmm. JT is not the one that has been leading the 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 journey on your spiritual awakening, right? He's very yeah. much been supportive and there for you, yeah. but that's been you. And so for him to be able to recognize that mm-hmm. there is such a difference between you and how you get to I show know. up and how you're present with your mm-hmm. family and with everything, the stress that you feel and just your overall balance, he's like, hey, sis you need to take a break and you need to take a moment to reconnect to yourself. And when you reconnect to yourself and you get quiet, you reconnect with the higher power, with the overall purpose of life. And you get to be, you come back downstairs and you're like, ah, there's the woman I married. Yeah. That's beautiful. Exactly. Exactly. That's yes. (laughs) Well, so it sounds like he has kind of been a good support person and has been willing to learn along the way of like, what is important? How does it affect you? And he can, he can choose to believe the same things you believe or choose not to believe the same things you believe. But what he does do is he recognizes that for you, it's very important. Do you have people in your life since you said like, I'm just much more confident in this now. I'm much more comfortable with who I am now. Do you have people in your life who maybe have fought you on this or maybe aren't as supportive on this or have been critical of you of this or been, you know, worried that you're going down a dark path or, you know, because it doesn't align with them. And how do you handle those situations? Yeah, that's the journey I'm on right now. That's the piece that I'm trying to really just fully integrate. And that's the piece of my life. I'm white knuckling a little bit, if I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I come from a very traditional household, Christian family, and, you know, these Oracle cards, (laughs) if I view them from their lens, I can put myself back in my box very quickly, which means that I put the cards back in their box very quickly and I kind of close back down. Um, And so I think I love I love that you asked me this, because this is what I take from this recording moving forward. Genuinely. It's just knowing that this is my peace and not everybody has to understand it. And as long as we all have our thing that gives us our peace, then that in itself is enough understanding for me. And it's like there's always two sides to every coin, but the two sides are 
what creates the coin. So you, there has to be a balance in every aspect. And you can't convince somebody to believe and feel the things that you do, but they can see that you feel them. And so if you're taking away the things that give you this joy and this power, really, to be yourself, you're not only hiding that from them, you're hiding it from yourself. And like, you don't ever have to have your light in the darkness. But if it ever is in the darkness, it's going to light it up as long as you let it and it'll guide you through that darkness. And so oh, I can't wait to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> because saying it, I know that I need to hear it. Um, and that's been a big piece of my journey, too. I'm going to plug myself real quick because I am a verbal processor and I do have to put things out in the open. And like Chelsea, one day in one of our sessions, you said, Amber, it's like you hold your shame like a glowing ball, like a glowing orb in your hand for the world to see. And it's like, I have to. It keeps me humbled. <laughs> like I need that peace to know that I have my shit and I do have to put it out there because if I don't like my guilt and my shame gets so heavy that it takes me down. And so I have to put it out there to hold me accountable to be myself. And so I do have a TikTok and it's a human named Amber and all my dirty laundry's on it. But so is a lot of the clean clothes, you know, and there's a lot of good stuff and there's a lot of it's just it's my human. I put my human out like I air my human's dirty laundry because it keeps my spiritual aspects accountable. And I think that that's just like a really beautiful thing for me to have. And I love that others get to experience it, too, because, yes, I have a beautiful mind, but it can be very ugly sometimes. <laughs> and when I start to feel that creeping in, I'm like. I'm going to show it to you. I have to show it to you. Someone has to see it <laughs> because yeah. if you don't, I'm going to keep it in the closet and I'm going to keep it in the dark and I'm going to snuff myself out. And so. Uh -huh. Absolutely. What, you were hiding from yourself. So yeah. severely. You were, yes. Yeah. You were, you were mm -hmm. getting in these places where you would find the root of it. You'd find that shame and then you mm -hmm. would get stuck in the stories that you tell yourself to keep it down, to keep it under and yeah. not, not necessarily, I, I'm trying to move away from the self-sabotage language, but the self-protection, right? Like you, yes. you were, you were getting into these habits of self-protection. And yeah. so it became this really therapeutic, cathartic release for you to share your real yeah. stories, your real humanness with others. Mm -hmm. And part of your journey has been allowing that to be something that didn't like the action of it didn't make you feel shameful. Mm -hmm. right? right that you, it was like you in my control mm -hmm. yes you there was a yeah. power in you sharing the pieces of you that normally you would have hidden away in the closet yeah. even from yourself and as you were sharing it with others you were able to see how it physically transmuted into power into yeah. this awareness and this presence for you so that mm -hmm. you could go on and be the the highest and best version of yourself and and mm -hmm. allow that connection within yourself and within others and it's just been such a beautiful journey and transformation to witness mm -hmm. so Thank I love you. it and I'm glad I'm glad that you plugged yourself we would have had you do it at the end anyways but um <laughs> it's it, it's been very therapeutic and cathartic for you and I think that that's wonderful yeah. and you know when we talk about social media right like a lot of it is what you choose to what you choose to consume and mm -hmm. you have taken this platform and allowed it to be something that has not only been supportive for you, but helped you get into the place where you're able to support others and yeah. use it for good. And I think that that's mm -hmm. beautiful and so wonderful. 
Yeah, and me finding how, like in me seeing myself, I'm seeing other people. And I think that that is like, I'm so glad to be able to see myself, but I'm also, I'm so glad to be able to see other people. Like you said that so well, yeah. Well, I love about that whole thing is the fact that you kind of stumbled on this, like, this is how I need to process. Like, I need to put it out there. That is how Mm -hmm. I can gain clarity. That's how I can feel better about things. And like Michelle Shalafon on an adult share podcast talks about how just like having a close person that can just witness you just verbalize all the crap and they're not going to give you any insights. They're not going to give you any solutions. It's just, they Mm -hmm. just, you just need somebody to hear it is an actual like psychological counseling tool that you kind of like stumbled on, on your own of like, Mm -hmm. Hey, this is what I need. And Oh, by the way, maybe it'll help bring some light to somebody else's day. Maybe it'll help somebody else going through the same darkness, recognize that like, it's not always going to be this dark, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's the hard thing. And I think it can be really hard when you do have, you do kind of start finding this, this inner knowing or this inner wisdom, or you find a stronger connection with God or with the universe or whatever it is, whatever it is that's helping you move through your day with more confidence in yourself. And you start feeling that ability to, to be yourself more publicly and then now all of a sudden this version of yourself is not aligning with this version of your of you that other people have. And it can be right. really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And holding compassion for yourself to say like, you know what? I loved your two sides of the coin, you know? And this is, I can understand from their perception of the things that I'm saying, from their perception of how mm-hmm. I'm acting right now, how I might not be this person that they want me to be anymore. I can see mm-hmm. how that would be triggering for them. And at yeah. the same time, I don't have to be what anybody else wants me to believe or to be, which I think is fantastic. I think that's a really, it's a really hard place to be. It's a, it's a bumpy, bumpy road. And the people that are intended to stick with you through that road, like your husband did where he's like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't really get it, but you do you, but you definitely need to go do you because right. (laughs) so it's like, you're going to have people who are going to be, you know, family members, spouses, children, friends, who, coworker, whoever it is, who's going to be really, really supportive. There's going to be people who are going to be more resistant, who still might become really supportive. And then there's going to be some people who are like, listen, I can't follow you on this journey anymore. I can't be part of this anymore because it totally aligns with what I want or what I believe. And that's okay too. It's just, it's really, it's really kind of a hard, it's a hard place for you to be in right now. And I'm, um, I'm really excited for where it's going to go for you. Um, But I think it's always interesting to hear people in the middle of their journeys um, versus like, yeah, I had this thing going on 15 years ago and now I'm doing so amazing. It's like, yeah, no, I'm in the crap. I've had a huge transformation of the last few years and we're just peeling back one more layer at a time Mm -hmm. and it can feel like a lot, you know, for sure. Um, All right. So I know we've got to get everybody moving on for the day, but I do have one last question for you. Okay. Is like, let's say somebody is listening to this and they're like, you know what? Like so much of this resonates with me. And I, I feel like I'm missing that connection to, to myself, to God, to a higher power, whatever the case is. What is the one thing that you would say today of like, you could do this today to start trying to build that connection? Mm Mm-hmm. What's that thing that lights you up inside? What is that thing that no matter where you were 
or have been or are, you think of that thing and it's like, I can breathe again. (laughs) Find that thing because that is who you are, regardless of if you realize it or not. That thing is what literally gives you that breath of life. And if you can begin to appreciate it for what it is and how accessible it is, regardless of where you are in any moment, and like you think of that thing and it's like, oh, life is great again. (laughs) Pursue it any way possible, any way possible. Again, Allison's your guy's guy. <laughs> Sorry to put you out there, but if you need a guy's guy <laughs> in that, <laughs> find your connection. Like, just find your connection. Find your guy's guy. Be your guy's guy. Just like the thing, the thing that you, this is intense, but the thing that you would give your life for and be like, my life was well lived. I'm good to go. That's your thing. That's your thing. Find it, use it, utilize it, make it accessible, promote it, scream it from the rooftops. Like, don't hold on to anything else except for that. And then that's going to be what you have. I love that. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) I love it. It's beautiful. Chelsea, do you have a last question? (sighs) Oh, man. You know, I feel like this journey for you has been just so wonderful. And I think what is, if you could tell, if you could give moms or women or humans any mantra or you know saying of support or anything to tell themselves when they get to those moments of overwhelm and they're like ready to lose their mind because the house is disgusting the kitchen's overflowing with trash Mm -hmm. and dishes and the kids are screaming and what what is the one thing that can cut through all of that bullshit for you Mm -hmm. and bring you back to yourself to remember like okay hold on a second is this the experience i want to have what is the thing The saying the whole time you're talking that just would not stop screaming in my mind was home is where the heart is. Um, How you're feeling in your body, you got to really remove. Sometimes for me, I have to really remove my spiritual side from my 3D body side and be like, what's my body feeling? Oh my gosh, I'm stressed. I'm overwhelmed. I am angry. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. Feel into that for a second. And let yourself feel into that and like, let yourself have that breakdown because after the breakdown comes the breakthrough and then you can realize like, okay, this is what my site is on. And then just collect it all. You're allowed to have that. The breakdown is beautiful. The breakdown's one of the biggest pieces of the process. Like you've got to give yourself space and grace and time. Like we feel all this pressure, especially as moms, like they're getting older. The kids are growing. They're get- they are, but they're learning the whole time and they have their own mindsets and they have their own visions and their own views. They're not you, babe. <laughs> they're not you. They are pieces of you. And with that comes a huge responsibility of knowing that what I need and what I want is also what they need and what they want. And if you can't offer that to them, find out what you need to be able to, because home is where the heart is. The way that your body feels, the way that your home is, 
there's a connection there and it's different for everybody, but it's all connected and we are the energy that we're in and around. And so nurture it, nurture it and raise it to be what you want it to be, because that's what it is every time you make that decision. I could go on this huge rant that was about beautiful. That so was many things, but that's my that was perfect. That was perfect. <laughs> yes. Thank you. All right. Well, Amber, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. This has been a really, really very much appreciated um, because it's going to speak to a lot of people who are going through crap and, and what that kind of continuous journey and how long these journeys are. They're lifelong journeys, folks. They are not little snippets of, you know, a couple weeks or a couple months or a couple years. Um, for those who want to kind of keep up with your journey and keep hearing more from you, give us that handle on TikTok again, please. Human named Amber. Awesome. And we will link that below. So if you want to kind of follow along and see all the good and the bad, um, then definitely follow Amber over on TikTok and just kind of connect and help build that community so that you guys are all supportive of each other. If you are feeling like you've checked all the boxes and you're still feeling disconnected from your communities, you're feeling disconnected from your, your vision of what you thought your life was going to be. Um, you know, maybe start taking some of these steps to kind of really tune into your body, tune into your, your instincts, kind of find the right support network. If you feel like you've tried something and you feel like it's the right thing for you, but it's not the right person, keep looking for other resources. Um, we are, we're just so happy to share this story and we hope that everybody kind of continues to grow and to move in the right direction so we all can continue to support each other so that we can nourish the soul, heal the body, and expand the mind. So thank you so much and we hope to see you all again next time. <laughs> Bye, friends. Bye. Thanks for having me. <laughs>